Imagine if each morning when you wake up, you're smiling and looking forward to your day, knowing you are happy even while you're dealing with grief and loss. The Grief and Happiness Podcasts inspires, comforts, and supports you with each new episode. I'm Emily Zerothret, welcoming you to explore with me your life of endless possibilities. Aloha. I am so happy you joined us today. I have a, a guest, that a beautiful person that you're going to love listening to. And I've been having experiences like me that, lately that I, I keep thinking more about the idea of being a medium. And so it'll be interesting to uh, hear what she has to say to us. And her name is Karen Doherty, and I will let her introduce herself to you. Hi, thank you so much for inviting me on today. Um, so, yeah, my name is Karen Doherty. I am a spiritual medium, an evidential medium, uh, which, of course, means connecting with those on the other side in the spiritual realm and bringing forward evidence to help bring healing evidence of sort of life after physical life to bring healing for those that have lost someone, but also for healing for those who are in the spirit side of things, because obviously both sides uh, of the veil are affected when there's a loss or when they've stepped back from their physical life, it does affect them too. So my work um, consists of bringing that evidence forward so that it promotes healing in, on both sides. It's just fascinating to me. Did you? How did you come about doing this? Did you have an experience, or or what happened? You know, I never knew I was a medium. It wasn't something that, even though as a young child I used to see spirit people, and I knew that they weren't of this world, and I knew that they belonged somewhere else, but I didn't quite know where that was. Um, but I just knew there was a different place. And throughout my experience as a child, seeing people and mainly like in my grandmother's house, for instance, I used to see different people all the time. And I used to tell her that, you know, there's a lady in the kitchen and she used to say to me, don't worry about it. You always bring spirit with you. And she made it very normal for me. And it wasn't until later in life I kind of learned that she was mediumistic herself, even though mm. she didn't go out to do the work. Um, so for me, I just felt like, well, does everyone not see these people? You know, it wasn't something that I thought I was different. And then kind of later on, maybe in my teenage years, I started to see a lot more and feel a lot more. And it started to kind of conjure up this feeling inside of me of knowing that there must be something else for me. Uh, but the experience itself was more about me hearing spirit people at nighttime. I used to go to bed and hear lots of different voices, almost like tuning in a radio frequency and could hear lots of different voices all speaking over one another. And it became very overwhelming for me, so much so that I went to speak to a medium and it was the medium that said to me, you know that you are a medium and you have to develop this. And at that point, I said, absolutely not. I'm not a medium. I can't do that. You know, I just didn't believe what she was saying. But I did go to a development group to see how I felt. And the minute I sat within that development group, I knew, oh, the penny dropped. It was almost like being home. And from that moment on, you know, I just worked and worked and developed and spirit 
have brought work my way and I've just continued to do that. That's absolutely fascinating. I I can't imagine having a gift like that. That's that's so wonderful to to be able to do that. Can can you share the kind of experience someone might have if they went to a medium? Coming to see a medium, I think for some people is very daunting. It's especially if it's your first time. You know, it's maybe something that you're not sure of or you don't know what the experience will bring. So personally, when I work, I always tell the the recipient what will happen, meaning, you know, I'll relax them, say to them, you'll never get anything bad. It, it will be an uplifting experience. It will be a healing experience. And really, I do that to nurture them, but also to create that space that we need for spirit to step forward and, you know, a good blending, a, a good energy. Um, and when you do sit with the medium, an evidential medium, what you should be looking for is the evidence. It should not ever really be, you know, I have a lady here or I have your grandmother here and she's telling me that you're moving house. That's not evidential. The moving house part might be correct, but the the medium could pick that up psychically and it doesn't come from the grandmother. So an evidential medium should be able to say, I've got your grandmother here. She passed at the age of 65. She had you know, whatever condition, passing condition. She had three children, two boys, one girl. You know, she gave you her crystal before she passed. Whatever it might be, whatever the information is, it should be evidential to that person that the medium is describing. Because what that does is it creates trust. It creates a a genuine, authentic link. And then the rest will follow. You know, there will be psychic things in there as well about your own life, things that the medium will pick up. But really, it's about connecting the two worlds so that you know that you're not on your own. That's so fascinating that that uh, the the details. I I guess I had the misconception that it was more vague than that, and I love the idea of the evidence because you mm-hmm. you can't uh, can't fight that. You know, it's it's if it you're giving the kind of information you were talking about, people would have to assume that you you really knew what was happening. That's so so amazing. And, you know, that is part, you know, of the the way that I want to push forward with my work and promote the evidential side to it. That's not to say there won't be other things in there that is about emotion and feelings, because obviously if you've got, say, a father from the spirit side coming in to speak with his daughter, there's going to be emotions. So there's going to be that feeling of, you know, your father is bringing love for you. He knows that you were that you're still grieving for him. There's going to be all of that as well, but there should be throughout the reading, there should be points of valid information that no one else would know that wouldn't be picked up as a generic thing that most people go through. It should be validated by the information that comes, you know, threaded through that as well. Why would, why do people come to you? Do they have a similar kind of thing like asking a question or... How do they, what do they do? It, you know, it really varies. I mean, some people will come because they've lost someone and they're just desperate to find out if they're all right or are they still here, you know, that kind of thing. Other people will come with life questions. They want guidance. They're going through a bit of a tough time and they want psychic um, guidance. And other people will come just to be in the presence of spirit. Some people also come to learn and develop. So there is a a big mixture in there. But I would say 
predominantly for me anyway it's more about the loss of someone and then followed quickly behind that with the psychic side because we all have life stuff right we all have things that we go through where we might need a bit of guidance or we don't know the answer to something and psychically as a medium I can link in with the person's soul and find out what's for them too so a medium will all a psychic medium will always work with both that will work with the spirit side which I do but I will also work with the person that sits in front of me with their higher spirit with their soul so that I can pick up what's coming up for them as well um, I was I was just thinking about um, do can you relate to more than one person at a time, or is it always a singular person that you're you're in contact with? It's usually never one single person. It's usually more. The minute I open up, I usually feel you know if you've got two or three people there, maybe even more sometimes. I will feel them coming in. It might be usually starting off with one person. So if I said, I've got your mum here and, you know, given the evidence of the mother, then I would say, oh, your dad's also here or your grandmother's also here and your cousin's here. And, you know, it just kind of dots about dependent on what they want to say and dependent on what the close connection is. And sometimes it can start with someone who's maybe a little bit more removed from the person. So if someone comes to see me and they're desperate to hear from their mother, I might open up to spirit and begin the reading and it might be their grandfather that comes in. But I know that grandfather is kind of cultivating the the blending, if you like, so that the mother can then step in and, and bring really strong evidence. So I'm always aware on the other side of things, what's going on? Like there's something going on here. They're shifting about. They're they're trying to do something here. I can feel that happening, and then the, the inevitably the person that the sitter is looking for will come forward. Uh, I I live in Maui. I don't know if you ever heard about what happened in Maui this year, but we had a, a fire that. It, it, within a matter of hours, an entire community was burned to the ground. And I've, I've thought about that with all, all the people that were involved there. If somebody went to someone like you, would there be like a crowd? <laughs> or would it, you be, well, I'm sure you could focus on one person, but would there be other people trying to get something, some messages out through you? It could happen like that, depending on the circumstance. So usually if it's a one-to-one -one situation where I sit with one person or even a family, it will be their people that come in. That's not to say that if they're closely related with another family that have lost someone, that they might not get a message to pass forward to the other family. Um, at a group event uh, with something like that, you will obviously get multiple contacts for multiple different people in the room um, but if it's a one-to-one -one, usually I will try to concentrate predominantly on their people and then if other messages came in I would have to pass them on because I believe that spirit will bring what they're supposed to bring um, so I would say you know they're talking about you know Emily's family could you pass this message to them from their mother or whatever it might be. And I would have to honor that in that moment. Oh, that's, that's so beautiful. I know everything was so unexpected 
And of course, you you can't plan for something like that. And people didn't get to say goodbyes or anything. It was just they were there and then they were gone. And I I've wondered about that how how that would be. And I love the idea that that people that aren't when you have somebody that has other people like that around them in a similar circumstances that they can pass messages on instead of just the person that you were specifically talking to. That That's amazing. The, the thing is as well, you know, I never underestimate the intelligence of spirit. And I've done group events. I remember one coming to mind. I'd done this group event. There was about 120 people there. And I kept saying I had this young girl there she, that, that she had passed in a car accident, that the other person in the car had survived and felt guilty and no one was putting their hand up. No one was understanding it. And I just persevered with it. I knew that there was a reason. And I kept seeing I'm down at the back of the hall, but no one was putting their hand up. And then I all of a sudden said, her name is Charlotte. And this lady put her hand up at the back of the room and she said, look, I know this information, but this is for my ex-husband's business partner's daughter. It was like far removed and she Hmm. wasn't really in touch with them. And I said, well, that's okay, but I still have to give you this message. So the message was something along the lines of the other person in the car feels guilty they shouldn't, they've lost a child, Uh, the name David comes in, tell them there will be another child coming, they've not to lose hope. So it was that kind of message. And so I just left it with her. She didn't have any clues. She kept saying, I don't know about that. I don't know who that is, you know, and all of this, but I'll pass it on. And about three months later, I got an email from a, a lady saying, this happened at an event. It was my daughter you were talking about. Her best friend is such and such. Um, when you gave that message, she had just lost a baby boy called David. And she was at a point in her life that she didn't want to live. She couldn't live with the guilt of the accident. She, then she lost her child. And she was at that point, well, I just want to let you know that she is now pregnant and having another baby and it's given her hope. And the message gave her hope. And so I, I was so blessed to be part of that. But the reason I'm telling you that is it just shows that spirit knew there was one person in that room that could take that, get that message to the person that they needed to get it to in order to give that person hope to go forward in life. And that for me is absolutely amazing. I didn't have a clue what the information was or who it was meant to reach. I just had to give the message. And that happens a lot. So going back to your circumstance, I'm quite sure the same kind of thing would happen. Wow. It's just so amazing. Um, I got chills when you were telling me about that because I, I can I can see what comfort that that could bring to people to be able to to receive those messages. Yeah, and it is about comfort and it is about healing and it is about giving people hope. Yes. Well, have you had times when you, you're not able to contact who people are wanting you to? As a medium, I can't say to anyone I can guarantee contact because it does depend on the blending of the energy at the time, the right conditioning for that. But I do have to also say that in my years of this work, I don't, I think maybe there's once in all the thousands upon thousands I've done that I might remember not being able to kind of sustain the contact. And what I always say to someone is, although I can't guarantee, you know, your mother coming through, 
in my mind, I already know that mother in the spirit side knows that their daughter is coming. So why would she not come? Of course she'll come because they're desperate to talk to us too. So it's more about saying to someone, I can't guarantee that that will happen. But if I feel the connection isn't as strong as I would like it to be, where I can get the evidence that I'm needing, then we will reschedule and try again. Because what I want is for you to get the best of your contact. I want your mother to have the best of the contact. And if I feel I can't make that happen, I will always be honest about that. And for me, a big part of the mediumship uh, and what I put out there is honesty. There has to be honesty in mediumship. And I'm not one for saying, you know, just making things fit or, you know, just kind of skimming around the edges. I don't want to do that to someone. So I would rather tell them this isn't working today. So let's try again tomorrow or let's try again next week. Um, because it can all be to do with the energy on the day. Dude. They have signs that, that you can share with the person who came to you so that they know that that's who you're talking to? They can, but what I would say is I've had many times over the years where people come in looking for one specific thing. So they might say, right, if my grandmother was coming in, I know she would show me this or I know that she would tell me this. And then it doesn't happen, but they've got lots of other valid information and evidence and what that does is because that one thing wasn't mentioned, it invalidates the rest of the evidence, which is a shame. So I always say to someone, don't look for one particular thing. If there is something that you feel would be a sign from your loved one, hopefully it will come out within the mediumship. If it doesn't unfold within the mediumship, it doesn't mean it's not there. It just means I haven't picked up on it in that moment. Um, but that's only backed up with other evidence. You know, if I was giving completely generic information, I, you know, I wouldn't expect them to believe in that then. So as long as it's backed up with hard evidence in other ways, if you don't get that one thing that you're looking for, I wouldn't let it invalidate the rest because it just obviously wasn't picked up on that day. Are there times when you get a message that you choose not to share? No, not really. I mean, I feel that whatever comes from spirit is meant to be shared and in saying that, that doesn't mean, like people ask about what if you got something negative or what if there was something bad? And I always say I wouldn't get it. I wouldn't even get it from them because what they're going to bring forward is something to uplift you, something to heal you, something to help you in some way or guide you. They're not going to come in with things that might worry you in some way. And if there has been messages, which there has been in the past where I've maybe picked up someone was unwell here or they've been going to the doctor or having tests, something like that, that could be a worry to the person. The only reason that comes forward usually is if they're giving them hope and giving them, you know, strength to get through that. Uh, it doesn't mean that I'm picking up things that I'm not passing on. Um, so. For my experience, I usually give everything that I hear. And if there is something that I feel needs a bit of diplomacy or, you know, care with it, then that's what I will do to make sure that it reaches the person in the right way. You mentioned being in, in front of a group and speaking to one person or one message with that. Do you usually do groups or do you do one-on-one -on -one sessions or how, how do you do this? I do both. I do one-on-one -on -one sessions, online, telephone. I used to do in person. Obviously, after the pandemic, you know, everything changed and everything went online and it's just kind of stayed that way. But that's how I do my one-to-ones. Group readings, events, audience readings. 
I, I do them all the time. I absolutely adore doing my audience readings. And the reason for that is obviously the, the messages that come forward. But really, to me, if there's 50 people in a room or 100 or 150 people in a room, we are all sharing that experience, even though not everyone will receive the communication. We are all listening and understanding what's taken place. And that in turn gives everyone that feeling of our people are there, you know, that we are all connected. So I do both sides of things and I love doing both. That's, uh, this is absolutely fascinating. It's so, so wonderful that, you know, a lot of people think that there's there's more to life. Other people think that there's not. I, I think it's really interesting when you talk to somebody that just believes that you're born and then you die and there's nothing else that exists. And then they somehow get a message that uh, I've, I've interviewed you know, somebody it, like that. Then. Yeah, and it can things change people's lives. You know, my grandfather was an atheist. He didn't believe in any religion. He didn't believe in God. He wanted to donate his body to medical science. That was always there. He'd, he'd you know, signed the forms, done all of that. And then uh, my grandmother, his wife, uh, had cancer and she passed away. And on the lead up to her passing, my grandfather suddenly said, I'm going with your mum. I don't, I don't, I don't, this was to my father. I'm going with your mum. I don't want to, don't donate my body to medical science anymore. And all of a sudden, because my grandmother was speaking to people that weren't in the room and weren't there, um, it changed his perspective. It changed his mind. And after all these years of believing what he believed, he suddenly changed at the last moment. Um, and I do think that losing someone does that. And I do think that spiritual experience does that. Um, you know, things that happen that you don't have an answer for. And, you know, if even if someone doesn't believe in spirit in this life, they are going there. So they will, you know, they will know that, that this happens. And quite often, actually, within readings, that can come through. You know, someone's parent maybe didn't believe in the afterlife and then here they are making the communication. Uh, and it always puts a smile on the person's face when that comes through. But we do change our mind at different times due to different experiences. Yeah, I, I know. I My mother, I was, um, she was living with us for a while toward the end of her life because she was, something was going on and we knew she couldn't be by herself. We didn't really understand what was happening. But it wasn't unusual for me to come into a room and she'd be sitting there talking to someone and having a big conversation. And it, as far as I could see, she was alone in the room, but she was talking and interacting and and both my mom and my mother-in-law, uh, when it came very close to their transition, they would reach out with their hands. Some, somehow, I don't know exactly what they were reaching for. And the words they were saying, I didn't always understand. Sometimes it almost seemed like it was in a different language. But they, they both did this, this reaching out that I, I've always wondered about that, what was going on. That's reported quite a lot. You know, you'll you'll hear nurses and medical staff reporting things like that. Um, and when someone reaches out like that, either reaching for a person that they can see, because we never we never pass away into people who are passing away reaching out or speaking. They are actually seeing 
those people. And so when they're reaching their hand out, they're looking towards the light. They're they're trying to grasp that light because they know that that's who's there to help them cross over. It, it was fascinating for me. I know my my dad died several years before my mom died, and she just wasn't happy after he died. She didn't smile much. She you didn't see any joy. But once she uh, she actually had a, a brain tumor that wasn't operable, and once she got that diagnosis, it's it, she changed and she smiled and she started being happy and she started talking to whoever it was that she was talking to, and mm-hmm. it was I I just I listened to her sometimes trying to figure out who she could possibly be having this conversation with because mm-hmm. I couldn't follow the conversation with with whatever it was that she was saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and that's the difficult part, isn't it? Because they're they're talking in a whole other place, um. So it's not maybe coherent to us at times, but they are having conversation. And I know that when my mum was close to passing away, um, she I went in one day and she kind of said to me, you know, the strangest thing happened last night. She said I could hear angels singing, but the one in my room, they were it was like they were distant. It's like they were through the wall. And I said to her, oh, they're just here to heal you, mum. Don't worry. My mum was frightened to die. And I said, don't worry about it. They're here healing you. And she said, oh, I did wonder about that. But I knew the minute she mentioned that, I thought she's not got long. I hadn't been told that, but just by what she was saying. And then another time I went in and she said, every time I close my eyes, I feel like I'm moving, like I'm in a car. And that's another common thing that people report close to their passing because the soul is on the move. The soul is moving. And she said, it's like I'm in a car and then I open my eyes and and then I'm fine again. And so all of these indicators were showing me that, you know, they're going to tell us soon that they're going to have to move her into hospice care and that she is she is going to pass. And that's exactly what happened. Um, so there are indicators, you know, before someone crosses. But I wouldn't want any anyone that's listening to feel worried about that or concerned because it's actually a really beautiful experience for the person that's making the transition. My mother was frightened to die. She didn't want to go. She wanted to stay with her family, which happens obviously to lots and millions of people when they're at that stage of of end of life. But once that decision is taken and once the soul is on the move, please be rest assured that they are receiving love and healing and knowledge and wisdom and there isn't a, they're not frightened anymore they're they know where they're going and they know that they're going home so it creates a beautiful energy around them and it really is an honor I've sat with people at the end of life and it really is an honor to be part of that for them I yes it, it's it's a beautiful thing I've, I've been with a lot of people, actually, when when the time would come, I worked as a nurse and I was an ambulance attendant when I was younger. And so I used to to be with lots of people and then close relatives I'd been with. I would always seem to be the one that they came, they, they, they called for to come and, and sit with them. Mm-hmm. And one experience I've had more than once was it seemed like they, they'd be to the point where they weren't talking, really talking anymore with with their dying process. But I I just was moved to tell them that it was okay to die. It was okay for them to let go. And it was amazing how it within a few moments they were gone. 
Yeah. It, it just they, it was like they they were waiting for that permission. Yeah, and that's reported a lot as well. You know that they don't want to let go because they don't want to let go of us, and it's not really about letting go of life. It's about letting go of the children, the family, you know, whoever might be there. And the same happened with my mum because she was so frightened of it. And I sat with her. My sisters didn't want to come back into the room, and I sat with her for a good few hours before she passed. And I could feel, I could feel her spirit move. I knew that she was just right on the edge of making that transition. And I was saying to her, mum, please. And I kept saying to her, just jump, just make the jump. You'll be fine. Just jump. And I could visualize this feeling of her on the edge of something, you know, and needing to jump and, and take that leap. And I kept saying it to her and and she done it. When she done it, I could feel the whole room fill with her energy, knew that she was elated that she'd done it and she managed it and she was okay and she was still alive and it was really a beautiful thing but you're right you know lots of people need that little bit of permission to actually let go I mean it's just fascinating the, the two people that I can think of in in particular that 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 happened actually three they were very strong people and I thought well if they know they're dying and they all three of them were in kind of miserable states with their health I I just kept thinking they would just go but they they didn't and, until I talked to them and it's the strength of spirit isn't it you have that willpower mm-hmm. and, and the free will as well and you, you how many times do you hear about someone who maybe has been ill for some time and they just keep rallying and coming round and coming back and because their spirit just isn't ready to let go that's just not quite ready and it, it is a timing thing for them it's fascinating there's so much that we we don't know do you, do you learn things? Have you learned anything that, that you were surprised by in the process of doing this? You know, it, it's I, I have learned things, obviously, throughout my work, but it's when I learn something or when I get knowledge about something, it's almost like I already knew it. And not in a know-it-all way, not that I knew everything, because certainly don't don't know the half of it, um, but just the feeling of, oh, that already resonated with me. Oh, I, I kind of already knew that, you know. It's almost that feeling of, oh, yeah, of course that's the way. So I get new knowledge, if you like, from spirit, but it seems to be already embedded in my mediumship and, and what I do. It's so... It's... I keep saying the same thing. I'm just fascinated by this and, and how it works. And it's nice to have an ex- explanation, like with the experiences that I had, that that other people do it too, and that mm-hmm. it's it's okay. Yeah, because we don't know. You know, who are you going to ask? You know, and it's from a medium's point of view. Of course, I have information about it and evidence of that, and it's my work, but. If I wasn't a medium, I would be asking the questions too. It would be fascinating to hear the answers and how does it work in spirit? Because we really don't have people to ask. It's not like you can speak to mediums every day of the week and ask certain questions. So I think on podcasts like this and the information and knowledge that's shared, it's something like this is really beautiful because I know that your listeners will be helped in some way by all your guests and what they have to talk about as well. Um, And it's podcasts like this that get that information out there. Yes. And and I'm grateful to be able to do this because it's it's uh, 
I learn a lot, and I know that, that people appreciate what goes on here, that I hear from them, that they say, thank you so much for having that person on. It, it gave me peace of mind or that sort of thing. And that's a wonderful thing to have, that peace of mind. It is, yeah. Well, thank you so much for being here with me today. This is is uh, a beautiful thing that you do. And it, it's wonderful that you have this gift and you're able to, to share it with people. Yeah, it's my pleasure. I'm just glad that, you know, I can talk about it and bring knowledge forward about it. Because aside of one-to-ones and events and things like that, a big part of this work for me is sharing the knowledge and, you know, just trying to get it out there for people that, are meant to be reached you know I always believe that if you're listening there's a reason that you're listening and if it resonates there's a reason it resonates so thank you so much for asking me to come and do this oh it's my pleasure for sure and to my guests think about this think have you had experiences would you like to have an experience like this how does this work into your life there's there's so much so much we don't know and it, I think it's wonderful when when we can learn things. So I'm, I appreciate you joining us today. And I'll appreciate you coming the next time, too. So thank you very much. Aloha. Do you want more comfort, support, and happiness? Join the Grief and Happiness Alliance. Visit my website at lovingandlivingyourwaythroughgrief.com and read my book, Loving and Living Your Way Through Grief. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast, rate it, review it, and binge on all our episodes on grief and happiness. I can't wait to welcome you back to another episode.